0: Hello, it's Shelley F. Knight bringing you Positive Changes, a self-kick podcast. So today on the show, we have Dr. Erin Jacob-Stagner, and she's been in chiropractic practice since 2006. She's a wife and a proud parent of three daughters. So Erin, hello there. Hey, how's it going? I am good, thank you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. You're most welcome. So Erin, can you share with the listeners your inspiring story of your own positive changes?
1: Sure. Um, So I was in chiropractic school and met a gentleman and found out I was pregnant. And then we got married and probably not the best thing to do, but I wouldn't advise it. But that's the way it happened. Um, So our daughter was born in June. I graduated chiropractic school in August. Um, To say that the birth was traumatic might be an understatement. Um, It was a C-section. I had no idea what I was doing. I was 20 years old. Like, I'm surprised that she survived. It was really just um, amazing. Um, I vividly remember, like, nobody told me I had to warm her bottles up. I would just take them out of the fridge and give them to her and then couldn't figure out why she cried about her belly hurting all the time. So, I mean, I was just typical, like, first-time mom had no clue what I was doing. So, um, as she got older... um. We just realized that she was a little bit slow hitting her milestones. We didn't think anything about it. Um, It would just take, you know, she'd just be a little bit behind, but it'd be fine. Well, it got to be a lot more than that. Um, She was almost two before she walked independently. Um, She was three or maybe over three before she spoke. And even then, it was only two or three words at a time. It wasn't full sentences. So um, the pediatrician diagnosed her as pervasive developmental delay, and we went through that whole route of physical therapy and occupational therapy and speech therapy, and um, we were in a smaller private school at the time, um, predominantly Catholic school, and I vividly remember the first grade teacher, the kindergarten teacher, and the principal meeting with me. And the kindergarten teacher telling me that she had worked on Indian reservations and she was convinced that my daughter had fetal alcohol syndrome. And I was like, this is just, I I can't believe this is happening. Like, I I must be in some horrible nightmare, you know, like this is just unreal.
0: Bless you. And you're young. You were 20.
1: Yeah, I was. Yeah, when she was born, I was 20. And it was like, totally, I had no clue, right?
0: Yeah, you're the same age my mum was when she had me.
1: Exactly.
0: But, <laughs> and she, she didn't have a clue either.
1: <laughs> exactly. And I'm starting to think, you know, how many moms, first time moms really don't have a clue, you know, especially then. Now we have, you know, Facebook and Instagram and, you know, you can contact anybody all over the world and get opinions about anything. So, I mean, there's, you know, people have it a lot better now, I think, that with the internet than we ever did raising our kids.
0: Yeah, that's a really valid point.
1: Yeah. Um, we got her transferred out of that school into what we call a special purpose school. So it's for kids that are, um, have learning disabilities or who are delayed or who need, you know, they have IEPs, individualized education plans, or they have 504s or something that requires them to have some kind of accommodation in school. So, um, we've been there now since the first grade, um, and it's really been, difficult it was really hard for me because I never wanted to accept her diagnosis because it changed um when we had her evaluated at the first grade to get into this school um I knew the lady personally who was doing the evaluation and I remember the day she sat down with me and she's like let's just go over this so you know what's going on and I'm like okay she said well she's not um her IQ is really good. And I'm like, okay, so like, what do you mean really good? Like 80, 85, 90. She goes, actually her IQ is closer to 120. Oh, wow. So we're not like stupid. You know, <laughs> we don't fall <laughs> into that category. I'm like, so what is it? And she goes, have you thought like, has anybody mentioned to you that she might be autistic? And I'm like, oh, sweet Jesus. No, I'm like, no. No, not really. Like you can't no, I don't think about, that's not really that's not really what you're thinking, is it? And so once we got through with that conversation and she presented all the evidence from the testing and everything, and went back to the pediatrician, he goes, "Yeah, He said, that's exactly what I would have thought, except you didn't want to hear that. And I'm like, I still don't want to hear that. I don't want to believe that my child is on the spectrum, that she's forever going to be labeled as autistic, that she's going to be denied certain things because she's autistic, that she may never do things because she's autistic. And he's like, you didn't do this. I'm like, but you can't tell me that. You can't tell me that I didn't do something to cause this. And he's like, you didn't. There's no way you could have done anything to cause this. And he's like, you're going to have to work on yourself. And I'm like, okay, fine. You know, and I was angry with him for a long time. And I know him, like I've known him for years and he's a very good friend of mine. And he's like, you have some personal things you have to work through. And it took me 10 years to work through that. Like she's 13 now. And just in the last probably three years, have I come to the realization that, okay, Maggie's different. Maggie's not going to be like other kids. Maggie's probably never going to drive a car. She's going to live with us or close to us for the rest of her life. I'm going to have to get up every morning and remind her to put on her deodorant, to brush her teeth. I'm going to have to blow dry her hair every day for the rest of her life. And it really took like, it took a lot of work for me personally to get to that point. And I'm just, you know, I just keep thinking I'm not the only person like this. I can't be the only person in this boat. So my, I have a very great group of coaches that I work with and they both encouraged me to like step into that. If you feel like you're not the only person, then step into it and do something about it. And so I did. So I sat down and I thought, okay, let's think about all the struggles that I had with Maggie and the things I didn't understand and the things I wanted to understand. And how can I get that information out to people? So what I did is I created this special needs specialist. So it's a way for parents and providers to communicate on the same language. So it takes parents through how does the brain work? How does it process information? How do we input into the nervous system? And what happens when that nervous system is altered or different and it doesn't interpret things the way that it should? What does it look like? And then this is what your providers, how your providers want you to talk to them about what's going on with your child. And then providers, this is how parents look at their kids and how they're trying to communicate with you. And I'm like, I wish I had had that when I was was
0: dealing with all this, but because I didn't, I felt the need to create that for other people. So your positive change is from your daughter's diagnosis, then helping others understand it when they get to that stage, like the diagnosis and I guess life after.
1: Yes, like how to adapt and make their life more functional for them. It's hard enough with the diagnosis, just trying to maneuver around through the world and the getting the help you need, but even harder to make people understand like
0: this is our, this is our version of normal. So the diagnosis of autism for Maggie, when it was first given to you, you was sort of a bit resistant to it. Did you have your own ideas what was going on? Or your own diagnosis theory.
1: I didn't want to believe that there was anything wrong with her. I just wanted to believe that she would—that she would be normal. She just needed more time.
0: Is Maggie's diagnosis purely autism, or are there other things as well? Because often it's related to other conditions, isn't it?
1: Yeah, sure. There are a lot of other things that go with it. So um, she, her primary diagnosis is a level one autistic. So she doesn't require skilled nursing or major interventions as like a level two or level three. So um, she has other diagnoses that go with it. She has a mood disorder. Um, She has constipation and digestion issues. So, I mean, it's not like it's just one thing. There's always several, it's what we call the alphabet soup. You know, you always, you start with one. And by the time you really get into middle school or high school, you end up with three or four. So yeah, there's always a group
0: that kind of go together. And how do you think she's doing? How's Maggie doing?
1: Um, You know, we have days that she's quite easy to get along with, and she, for generally, I would say 85% of the time, she's pretty easy to get along with. Um, she's We're transitioning now, she's going from eighth grade to ninth grade. So we're transitioning around that. We're trying to decide, do we want to change her to a different school? In the States, like, you have private schools and public schools, like parochial and that kind of stuff. So, like, the private school that she's in now, once she reaches 12th grade class, she's done with school. So, she would be 17. If we change her and put her into a public school situation, she could go to school until she was 21. Oh, wow. To get the, whatever information
0: she needed to be functional. 21. That's quite an age, isn't it? Yes. Wow. <laughs> So, you help others. Your positive change is that following Maggie's diagnosis, you went on to then bestow and help. <laughs> Stuttering this evening. So, your positive change is that after Maggie was diagnosed, you went on to help others to provide the help you didn't have. Exactly. What's your greatest passion in that? What really light, lights you up when you're helping others?
1: I love speaking to groups. So, um, I try to at least three or four times a year have some kind of speaking engagement. Like today I'm on my way home from South Carolina. I just spoke to a group of like 150 chiropractors about how to take care of kids that are considered special needs. So I routinely teach continuing education classes or I speak to um, autism support groups or like Nick in a couple of weeks, I have a church group that I'm speaking to about how to adapt for special needs kids. So, I mean, there's always, a way to put information out and that's really what lights my fire so to speak
0: that's great so you're quite diverse in your teaching it's not just for fellow doctors it's for parents it's for churches it's for everything
1: right and I think a lot of times people don't think about groups that run into people with special needs so like people at grocery stores like cashiers and things like that um waitresses at restaurants or people at a bank they may need extra assistance trying to figure out their bank account so something like that or like churches are a big one because there's a lot of or at least what I've heard from patients and fellow um, parents of special needs is that church can be a really big barrier for them because they're they may not be able to keep them in the sanctuary because they could get disruptive and, you know, disturb the whole congregation, but they're older kids and they can't really send them to the nursery because that's for your little kids. So it's like, what do you, how do we adapt this? How do we make this work? So I think a lot of people overlook thing or things that we take for granted on a weekly basis that people with special needs, they're going to need some extra intervention for.
0: Yeah, and that's really valid. I mean, when you said about the supermarket and places like that or anywhere where you have to queue, that is when it starts to, you know, trigger some, isn't it?
1: Exactly.
0: Now, this is really spooky. You don't know this about me, Erin, but actually our eldest is also 13 and he has autism. And we didn't know this before we started the call. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so I am in your boat with you. And yeah, I wish I'd have known a lot more <laughs> back in the day. But yeah, we knew From when he went to school actually from the age of four, he went into school and this like free spirit and humorous child just kind of lost his sparkle and started getting quite aggressive, Mm -hmm. wasn't really thriving and things like that. So out of all the people I could have had on my show, here we are, both with 13 year olds with the same diagnosis.
1: Wow, that's amazing. So like what big changes have you here we're gonna flip the script a little. So what big changes have you seen with your son like going through puberty and as he's becoming a teenager.
0: So he seemed to go through puberty, like really young, but he's quite mm-hmm. what I call an old soul. It's a real like maturity about him. And between the ages of nine and 12, it was hellish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was just like really hellish. And you're like, did I create this child? And he was angry and he was struggling with the diagnosis, like an emotional crisis for him. He worked out something was different. He wasn't the same as his peers around the age of seven and eight. And with that, and the diagnosis was just this absolute mess for a good year or so, really. But he settled actually this year, end of last year. He just kind of turned a corner or accepted or settled. Um, maybe I'm an awesome mum, Erin. Who knows? You are. <laughs>
1: I think all moms, all moms that have kids on the spectrum are awesome moms because we have to go above and beyond every day.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, he's doing really well. I mean, it was really, really hard and I don't know what my positive change was. I resigned from nursing. It was just too much. I became pretty much his full-time carer just because he was in high school Without a diagnosis initially, the first year, he didn't have his diagnosis. But then when he did get his diagnosis, it wasn't straightforward. It wasn't like, oh, we you know, we'll get this in place. He had a label. He was naughty, was lazy, could try harder, too much of a daydreamer. So even with the clinical diagnosis, or <laughs> five, he um, really had to fight his corner, and I had to fight his corner. So my change was giving up nursing to be there, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's an absolute legend. He's probably going to hear this now. Mm And I won't be able to fit his head through the front door come what next week. (laughs) But um, he is. He's just an amazing kid. He's just got like a slightly warped sense of humor. But there is a kindness in there. He's got no filter, but that could be genetic rather than due to his autism. He's a bit like (laughs) myself. (laughs) You know, it's not all down to special needs. Sometimes it's just the parenting. And I just think, oh, skip to the end of 46. Do you know what I mean? Um, So, yeah, he just... But it's quite refreshing. I don't know about with you or Maggie, but when our son speaks, it's just kind of says what we're all thinking, really.
1: Right. You just hope that they don't say it in a place that it's
0: inappropriate. (laughs) Yeah, or you take them out with you, don't you? Because you're thinking, he's just going to say what I want to say inside.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Or, or you've said something at home and you've gone, like, let's say to like a a meeting or something and they've come with you and you've made a comment in the car or on the way there. And then they drop that comment in the middle and you're like, oh, for goodness sake, you weren't supposed to say that. Yeah,
0: that has happened so many times, Erin. It's just a nightmare. (laughs) And then you try and justify, but they have a real sense of what's right and wrong. So you go oh, no, yeah. I didn't say that. No, I didn't mean that. And he's no, you absolutely did. And they can probably tell you it was at 1654 or something precise.
1: <laughs> exactly. I know exactly where we were do- what we were doing and where we were going and what you said. And here yeah. you
0: go. <laughs> what you're wearing, everything. So but I don't you just love their
1: honesty. I do. And then it sometimes I don't, because they will not they will call you on it for sure. Like if you do not do something you said you were gonna do, you cannot get away with it.
0: <laughs> yeah and that's the simple things like if you say you're going to go to the library and then we're coming straight home but then you go to somewhere on the way back it's hellish isn't it oh or if you take a different way home yes why are you are going this way what's going to happen am I safe why would you do that
1: you miss the turn I'm just going to the next street but that's the turn <laughs> it's the same we're going to get to the same place. Just, just hang on a minute. But you missed the turn. (laughs) Like, okay, you're right. I missed the turn.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I find them like not just autism, but any child that's been created differently. I just think they're just so meant to be here because that's where, I don't know. I just find with our son is where I learn my greatest lessons. Oh yeah. They really make you take a look at yourself And, you know, we don't always like what we see, but yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. They're like a girlfriend. Like if I said, does my bum look big in this? He went, yes, it does actually, you know, and your bum, everything, your legs, (laughs) it all looks big, mum. But (laughs) sometimes we just need that, don't we? Or not? Maybe not. Maybe not, (laughs) Erin. Brutal honesty. Yeah. Yeah. Tell it as it is. (laughs) So... We could talk about our kids all day long. It's just the spooky, the fact that they're the same age and everything, isn't it? I know, right? And halfway around the world, who would have thought? I know. We rock. We do rock. (laughs) (laughs) So aside from autism, as a special needs specialist, what is your main role? What is your goal? What is it you teach? What is it?
1: Sure. So the biggest thing for me was to facilitate that gap, that communication gap between parents and providers because I've, I've got, I've got friends and I've got family and practice members that are patients and they're all that, that are parents or friends of special needs kids. And they're just frustrated. Like I can't get the doctor to understand that this is what she's doing, or I can't make the therapist understand that we don't have the issue, that issue, or this issue, or we can't do this, or we can not do that. And it was like, there's got to be a better way. Like is it educating the parents so that they kind of understand what the doctor's looking for or the therapist is looking for? Is it maybe educating the the therapist or the doctor of like, maybe you should back off a little bit and try to understand where the parents are coming from. Um, and I think it's harder. I don't know about for you, but it was for me when she was smaller. Like it was a challenge to get anybody to understand what I was trying to tell them.
0: Yeah. I know that when we were at primary school, as I said, we knew there was something that was up, but he just didn't suit the education system really. And it was just, you know, like if you asked them to help you, the referral, it would just be like, I'm doing this because the mother's asked me to. And you're like, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where at secondary school, it was just easier. Whilst it was the muckiest time, they just seem to be able to see that, yes, there is something going on that doesn't quite fit with, you know, the average milestones. So yeah, it's messy. And I do find as well, one of the problems we have, as you say, is the difference in different environments. So the way our son would be at home would be very different to how he was at school. Oh, exactly. So it's just saying to them, you know, because they'd say like, oh, he's really aggressive at school. And you're going, well, he's not at home. He's just like really lazy, doesn't want to do this. And it's hard when you're trying to do referral because you look like you're all lying, don't you? (laughs) Exactly.
1: Like who's really telling the truth? And it's like, why can't they? Because if you look at them from, like, if you just step back and look at them from purely a nervous system point of view, okay, they're, they've got so much coming at them. All their senses are on hyperdrive. Like everything that we would normally be able to ignore, they have, it's like everything's on volume ten for all all the stuff around them and that's all bombarding their nervous system and they're trying to figure out what do i what is like actually going on what do i need to interpret what's important what's not important i gotta filter all this out but you want me to pay attention to what you're saying about the war of 1812 (laughs) can i just not you know and they, they it's very hard for them and i i understand that like I'm overwhelmed just thinking about it. I can't imagine having to live through that 24-7.
0: Yeah, and we didn't realize, because they go to school all day long, it's like, sit still, listen to this, copy that right. off the board, and you've got someone flinging a rubber at your head or scrawling on your work. Yeah. And then he'd kind of hold it together, and they'd come home. And that's their safe place. Yeah, but that's when you get all the poo thrown at you don't you because you just say can you just just put your shoes away and they've had instructions all day long and that's what we call over here I'm not sure if you have it the fizzy pop syndrome so it's like shaking a bottle of fizzy drink like soda all day long and it's getting the pressure inside and they come home and it's like that lid's undone yeah like popping the cork on the champagne yes oh, that'd be far more pleasant wouldn't it yeah <laughs> far, more pleasant, far more medicinal than soda <laughs> but it is all those instructions and he would just come home and then like who would hit the fan and it is just because it's like one instruction too far yeah
1: and then like i i know how i feel like after i've been at work all day like i've gotten the kids all out the door in the morning and I've gone dealt with practice members all day and phone calls and returning calls and emails and everything. And by the time I get home, I just I want a few minutes to just like I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to hear anything. Like I wanna sit in the bathroom with the light off and just chill or just like give me five minutes, you know. And I can't yeah. imagine that's how I feel as a neurotypical person. And then you amp that up five or six times. I, no wonder that when they get home, they're just like, "No, I'm done. Like I'm maxed out. I'm I'm done for the day."
0: Yeah, it is like that, and it's so hard because because you've got three, we've got four children, and so it's really hard because you think, "I know they need that space, but school, <laughs> and right. you know the, the other siblings." all sitting down we all need you to do your homework but he's had enough of like you know academics by the end of the day and so it's really hard I think at home because you're trying to say can you just do this last piece of homework the siblings are watching and think well we've got to do our homework why hasn't he you know then the dog's chewing your leg someone's knocking at the door you said the emails are pinging in what's for dinner and it mm-hmm. is you know I, I'm actually rubbish at juggling but um spinning plates quite good at
1: <laughs> yeah there you go I think all of us are and I mean if you just think about the stress that we go through as an adult day to day and how it wears on us and you would think like, I don't remember it being that stressful as a kid. Maybe I was just like oblivious to everything else, but like my kids are stressed out. Yeah. And I'm like, how is that? How did our kids suddenly become stressed out about stuff? Like I never worried about any of this stuff when I was little. Like, how did, how did, what changed? Like, what made us this whole
0: society
1: and population of people who were just stressed out all the time?
0: Yeah, that's so true. We have a saying here, like, the school days are the best days of your life, and I was raised to believe that, Erin, and now I spend, like, you know, good, I don't know, one or two days a week, reassuring my children that actually don't worry, the school days are not, you know, the best of your life because they're really not these days. You know, there's like problems with how you look and how you feel about yourself. And then you've got, you know, the peer pressure, body image, you know, friendships, trying to learn. And then, you know, you all have the subjects you're good at, others you don't. That knocks your confidence, even like eating in the big, busy school halls, and my kids, I mean, the girls are slightly better, but our boys really, really don't like school. And so, yeah, as you say, it's when did this all change? Because school days really aren't the best days of your life. I think you're meant to be carefree because you've got no bills and things, but there's other worries these days, aren't there?
1: Yeah, and, like, how do we make those, you know, positive changes for our kids so that it's not so... And And I think some of it is... Some of it's us, like we want them to do well, we want them to, you know, find something that they like, that they can make a career out of, that they can, you know, enjoy as an adult, but at the same time, like be respectful, learn your manners, make sure you have friends, make sure you play sports, or what, you know, find something extracurricular outside of school, and then it's like good grief. I mean, by the time you do school all day and whatever extracurricular you pick, and then Whatever time you spend with your family, it's like, my goodness gracious.
0: How do we back off a little bit? It's hard, isn't it? I mean, like like there's kind of a mentality in society today where we work Monday to Friday all live for the weekend. And it's not a good way to live, is it? No. Because basically you're sort of saying, well, I have five days of the week where I'll be unhappy and two days where that's okay. Well, if you expand that out, like in a seven-year period... Yeah. You're going to be happy for two years of your life out of seven. Exactly. Something's out of balance here. Big time, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We could speak forever, couldn't we? We are. (laughs) (laughs) And for anyone listening, going, oh my God, they know it all. We've been learning the hard way.
1: (laughs) Amen. And
0: I'm still learning. No, because the children are changing, aren't they? They're changing, and then we're changing, and then we're learning, and then the other children are growing up, and then there's as you say there's work and everything that's going on. Do you have a tool or a technique that you could share?:
1: Oh wow, um let's see you mean in regards to autism or just in in general for raising kids or what all are you what all would you like <laughs> throw it all in <laughs> I think that you know the biggest thing for our, when I talk to people about you know if Maggie's going somewhere new and they're like well how should we I hate this but how should we handle her how should we deal with her and I'm like you know what she is who she is. You don't treat her any different than we do her sisters. She gets treated the exact same way. You know, she still has chores. She still has responsibilities. She still has things that she has to do. Does it take her a little longer to fold the laundry and put it up? Yeah, absolutely. Do we, did we have to for a long time, try to like step outside the box and look at things from a different perspective? Yes. And I think that's the biggest thing. Like you're probably not going to understand them ever completely, but try to like step outside of this is what's expected. This is what's normal and step outside of that box and go, why? Like, can't we do things a little bit differently?
0: I love that. And I think not even with special needs, like with our precious children, I think like in life, we often just need to step back. Don't we? And look at things a little bit differently. So I think that's a really valid tool for anyone, really. I was reading, I'm always seeing
1: people are sending me stuff on Facebook all the time, but I was reading, I think it was the Brian Tracy book I was reading the other day. And it said, you know, if you go around looking for problems, you're always going to find them. Maybe you should start looking for solutions. And I was like, wow. Yeah. I love
0: that. Yeah. So look for solutions, not problems. Yeah. So do you have a positive affirmation or a saying which you use in life? Um, probably the biggest thing in dealing in dealing with
1: all the kids is just to tie a knot and hang on. <laughs> You're at the end of the rope anyway, so you might as well just tie a knot and hang on. But the, I mean, the thing is, is like, I just, my husband says, you know, when we talk about money. He's like, it's just money. We'll go to work tomorrow. You know, like there's always, you got to, you know, like we were saying, you have to step back and go, is this really a problem that we, you know, in five years, is it going to matter? In 10 years, is it going to matter? Probably
0: not. Yeah. I say it to my children, I think, am I allowed to say that? But they get themselves in this real sense of what's right and wrong. And he said this, she said that, he sucked my air, whatever's going on with sibling rivalry. Oh yeah. And you just, I say to them, but are you going to remember this in five years time? They probably won't remember it in 30 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) That's probably true. I mean, they don't remember to brush their teeth every day, do they? So
1: Exactly. Somewhere between the bedroom and the bathroom, they forgot to put
0: on their deodorant. Yeah. Do you find with Maggie, like you say to her, like, go upstairs and brush your teeth. And she'll go upstairs and she thinks, well, that's the first part of the command done and that's it. Oh, Yeah yeah so you say like go upstairs and do this and he goes upstairs and he's like, right, job done." <laughs> right, so that's where I think for us having two kids that are
1: not that are neurotypical helps because they all have the same routine. so it's like brush your teeth, brush your hair, put on your deodorant, you got your shoes and socks on And everybody knows that that's the same thing like you come to the breakfast table, socks, shoes, hair, teeth, and deodorant. And they're like, no, I forgot one. Well, go fix it. You know, like, go. And more than likely, one of them, or at least all of them, have forgotten one of the steps. So they're all in the bathroom together. And then you'll hear, so-and-so didn't brush their teeth long enough. I'm like, oh, my goodness. Okay, fine. That sounds like our house.
0: (laughs) 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 It is like, I was here first. She looked at me. He's got toothpaste in my head. They say you say really random things as a parent, don't you? Like, don't put a dinosaur in your sister's ear. <laughs> don't you? It's just like the stuff you could not make up. Our big thing, because we have all
1: girls. <laughs> like we get to the kitchen in the morning and the and I'm looking at them and I'm like, does everybody have a bra on? And then they'll all like <laughs> pull their shirt over and like pop the strap of the bra. And I'm like, okay, good. We're all we're all covered then. <laughs> it's like, when did I become, like, I feel like I work at a federal penitentiary, you know, like, do you have all your <laughs> stuff, did you sneak anything in, do we need to pat you down, you know?
0: <laughs> Maybe we should invest in one of those airport scanners, so just as we going oh to get in the car every morning, just, like, get them through. Have they got the bra on? Have they got their bag? Have they got cutlery in there by accident? You know, just scan them. <laughs> Is there still a dinosaur in that ear?
1: <laughs> I think that'd be great.
0: Should we invest? Shall we? I think we should. Yeah, that'd be awesome. (laughs) That's going to be my new positive change. There you go. (laughs) Oh, bless you, Erin. It's been wonderful. I absolutely love the synchronicity. Yes, it has been fun. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I am just so glad I'm in your boat, as you put it earlier. Absolutely delighted to speak to you. No, I'm not mad. (laughs) We've been on the same journey. And thank you because you're passing a really wonderful message out there to the others who are going, you know, suspect something's wrong with one of their children, or if they've been given a diagnosis, you know, your words are going to help thousands, I'm sure, like they are with your talks anyway. Well, thank you. Bless you. Thank you so much. So if people want to work with you, how can they find you?
1: sure so um those it's the special needs com. um you can always email me at jacobs Cairo j-a-c-o-b-s-c-h-i-r-o period e-j at gmail.com so that's a good way to get in touch with me or the special needs com. either one of those
0: that's fabulous so we'll stick that in the show notes so people okay. can find you but again a heartfelt thank you erin Thank you. I was so, it was so much fun. Oh, bless you. <laughs> I just love the synchronicity. It's like when you said Maggie's 13, I was like, oh my God, we've got one of those. <laughs> <laughs> Not with a bra on, otherwise i have even more concerns for him.
1: Yeah, then we'd have to really have some major talks, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I've got your email now, so we'll be sorted. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> bless you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. If you found this podcast interesting, please leave us a review on Apple Podcast Store or wherever you have listened to this episode. Don't forget to make sure that you've subscribed to the podcast so that you don't miss out on any future episodes. Until next week, keep creating those small positive changes. I've been Shelley F. Knight and you've been amazing.